So how cool is this? We are uh, sitting face-to-face across the table. I've got the uh, Wayback Music Machine sitting in the driveway. Tony, Tony finally came in the house. He that's came right. in, yeah. Yep, we, uh, I made the road trip to Toronto, and we're sitting face-to-face in studio. This is absolutely amazing, and it's fantastic to finally meet you in person. Oh, it's, 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 it, doesn't seem, it doesn't seem real yet. Like, it still seems like... I don't, you know, unreal, surreal. But we had a lovely dinner last night too, folks. Just so you know, so this yeah, that is was great. Fantastic. This is great to, to be sitting across the table, eye contact, not a screen. <laughs> I know. I keep forgetting that I don't have to open the Zoom window. You know, but uh, and you know what? Uh, you've become one of my best friends, and it Me is you too. It is so great to uh, finally meet you. And oh, it's great. So uh, we've got an excellent show planned for you today, folks. Something uh, a little different. Uh, we're doing the road trip for real this time, but <laughs> we're still going to throw in the virtual sound effects because we like those. But uh, how about we cue up our intro music and get started? Sounds like a plan. All right, here we go. Maps? Check. Snacks? Double check. Tunes? Check. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we are cruising the rock and roll highway in our way back music machine. Are you ready, my friend? I sure am. I have the feeling this is going to be the start of a great adventure. Kind of a magical mystery tour. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. So for our first stop on our real rock and roll road trip, And I love alliteration, folks, so anytime I get to use it, I'll put it in there. We are going to be hopping back to San Quentin State Prison in California on July 26, 1969. So normally, when Aaron pushes the buttons, he's just banging on the table. So (laughs) do you want to bang on the table? I don't have my computer, but I'll do that. Oh, oh. there we go. Hang on. Okay, all the buttons are pushed, and let's jump back to July 26, 1969. Um, Aaron, what did you punch in? Because it kind of looks like 1969, but this is not California. You know, in the excitement of you being here, and I'm not on my laptop, I'm not used to this newfangled way of doing things. I think I got us in Moscow. Oh, my goodness. So we're here in Moscow, Russia, in 1969, the same date, July 26th. And, you know, normally we'd be able to just hop in a phone booth and call somebody for help but uh that ain't gonna happen here today no it's not gonna happen because uh what happened here what did these kids do it's always i love what teenagers come up with so police in moscow reported that thousands thousands of public phone booths had been vandalized uh, after thieves were stealing parts of phones to you know, basically convert acoustic guitars to electric <laughs> guitars. Can you? I, I'm so I'm so fascinated by the ingenuity of stealing phone pieces to make an electric guitar. Brilliant! Well, oh, me too. And and it's amazing in pre-internet days how the word spreads like this through through a youth magazine. Like, yeah. just can you imagine that? And as you can see with this phone booth, it's completely gutted. <laughs> oh i just i love this story because the fact that they were so into rock and roll and they wanted to i mean it it was still banned but they wanted to take their their acoustic and stop playing those russian morbid folk songs and play some jimmy hendrix well that's right and you know that's the uh 
the impact of rock and roll, right? It just it opened the floodgates and could not be stopped. And this is a great story to prove that. <laughs> and we had to, you know, I'm glad we did this little detour because this is one fascinating story. And and, and future, we'll talk about how they used to, uh, in Russia, they used to put music on uh, x-rays because it was the same material that you could put into like those flexi discs. And they used to hand records back and forth on flexi discs like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's very cool. We'll talk about that in a future date. Yeah, all that ingenuity. Well, I guess it's okay now to uh, hop back to uh, San-, San Quentin. Should we be taking any of these kids with us to San Quentin? Because they're, they're, if they're in jail in Russia, they're not going to enjoy what we're going to be seeing in San Quentin. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe uh, you know San Quentin might be a bit of a picnic compared to a uh, Russian jail. <laughs> yeah, where's where's Doctor Chivago? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's punch it in for real this time. July twenty sixth, nineteen sixty nine. We're going to be talking about some Johnny Cash. Here we go. So for a number of years, Johnny Cash did a lot of concerts in various prisons throughout America. What he would do is he would he would book dates in co- uh, prisons. I was going to say colleges. That was a Freudian slip. Uh, he would book dates in prisons. If he was playing, say, uh, you know, Ohio, he'd find a prison. He would do a prison gig and he would do the regular gig, right? But a couple of those were recorded. And one was at San Quentin uh, State Prison in California. And that album was a monster for Cash. I mean, that, that won Grammys, and it, and it uh, was huge. But what it also did was it provided him with a really big hit single with a really weird title. Yeah, that was A Boy Named Sue, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you know who wrote the song, right? That was uh, Shel Silverstein. The, I, the Giving Tree. Do you remember The Giving that? Tree the author, giving yeah, tree, yeah. That blew me away. Yeah, he also wrote The Unicorn. <laughs> um, did so, you read The Giving Tree to your kids? Uh, I could probably recite it. Yeah. Uh, my, both of my daughters, they love that story. And I could literally, if I, give me a couple of minutes, I could recite it. You? Yeah. Oh, same here. But Cynthia can't get through the book without tearing up. Like oh. she, she just can't finish that story. I'll love you forever. Never got through that book. Yeah. yeah. That's another one. Eh? Yeah. But, but yeah, I could see why she'd find that. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And then he wrote a boy named Sue. <laughs> And you know, uh, Johnny Cash, right, had a had a bit of a dark side. And this, uh, even though technically, I guess it's a kind of a comedy song, but it's a it's a dark song as well, isn't it? Well, and if you listen to the lyrics, yeah. when he meets his dad, there's no hug. I mean, this is about a kid whose dad wanders off and he's three, and when he meets him later on in life, they get into a fight, the blood and the guts and the beer. I mean, that's a line from the song. Yeah. So it's not exactly a great happy-go-lucky song, right? Well, no, and he's bitter because his dad <laughs> named him Sue, and, and all his life he's had to fight and, uh, you know, people teasing him and uh, and just had to become tough. And what, what what I remember about that single is that it it was the first time I ever heard a bleep on the radio. Oh, Cause, yeah. Because he goes, I'm the son of a beep that named you Sue. Uh, he didn't say gun. We knew he said the other word. <laughs> But it was beep. Do you remember that? It was always yeah. And um, I have a, a DVD of Johnny Cash in the eighties, eighties. So like ten years after, and he's doing it on stage live. And Johnny Cash goes, "Well, I'm the son of beep." <laughs> he actually does the beep. <laughs> and oh, and it gets him. more and morbid from there, right? They're about to uh, shoot each other, like they pull guns on each other at the end of the song. I know it's it's it's. This is the guy okay, again, Shel Silverstein, who wrote. The Giving Tree, The Lovely Unicorn, other really lovely books for kids, End of the Sidewalk, all those books, right? Uh, it's a dark song, and it made number two 
Yeah, that was this was his biggest hit, wasn't yeah, it? I, okay, do you know what kept it from number one? Oh my goodness, I'm not sure. Another family favorite, Honky Tonk Woman. Oh, <laughs> no, there's a great song too. But. It's a great song, but it's not exactly family friendly, right? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Tony, but I wouldn't want my five year old daughter walking around singing Honky Tonk Woman. But well, you that's know. right. But that kept it from number one, the Rolling Stones. Is, uh, and you know, I can imagine the crowd at uh, San Quentin must have ate this up. Oh, why wouldn't they? Right. Why wouldn't they? I mean, it's just it, you're talking about almost killing your dad, fighting your dad, cutting off a piece of his ear. Yeah. Right. What the heck? Right. Yeah. It is a very dark, you know, funny, but dark at the same time. And Folsom Prison Blues, of course. I mean, I'm sure they loved that. And that's one of those songs, you know, uh, you want to pack a dance floor if you're in a band, just start playing really? Folsom Prison Blues. Oh, my gosh. Seriously? Eh? Oh, yeah. I, I've done gigs with, uh, you know, rock bands before yeah. where it's like crickets in there. And then you just start <laughs> with the bass part, you know, on uh, Folsom Prison Blues and, well, it'll be packed. Everyone's up. And everybody's singing along. Everybody knows that song. Yeah, yeah but I just, I never saw it as a, a particularly good dance song, but. Yeah, it's funny, eh? It was, uh, it was one of the more popular ones that we ever did and uh, hilarious. Wow. Wow. Again, I'd like to see footage of you singing that song. Oh, okay. That's, well, that's, that's, uh, that's my next, uh, my next bucket list. But uh, yeah, well, and Falls in Prison Blues, I mean, that was the, the famous line, right? Um shot a man in Rio just to watch him die. Oh, that's the best line in all of music, in my opinion. <laughs> like, all these, uh, you know, all these rap and hip-hop guys who think they're badass, yeah. they got they can't hold a candle to no. uh, that line. Like, no. What a great line. And there's no remorse in it. No, absolutely none. no. No remorse. There's a reason I shot him, because I just... Just wanted to watch him die. Yeah. And, uh, Total man, stranger. so dark. Eh? <laughs> now, what was on the charts, though, at this time? Well... The charts were somewhat lighter. Um, number five, uh, and I'm looking at the album charts here on Billboard, Tony. And number five uh, was The Fifth Dimension, Age of Aquarius. Uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. would go on to a big successful career from them. Tom Jones, this is Tom Jones, is number four. My mother loved Tom Jones, Tony. I don't know about your mom, but she was in love with Tom, Tom Jones. Number three was Romeo Juliet, the soundtrack. Number two was the original Broadway recording of Hair. Okay. Um, and number one, one of your favorites. Oh, I love these guys. You do. Blood, Blood Sweat, and Tears yep. and the self-titled album. You love them, right? Well, I do. I, I love that whole horn rock era, right? Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chicago, Chicago. bands like that. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Great time. I, I've always, I've, I was reading an article about Blood, Sweat, and Tears starting, they, I mean, they got their big start in Greenwich Village. And you know those stages were not big, and they were they had they had a number of people in their band. That would, that must have been very creative to get everyone on stage. Oh yeah, and it blew me away even that venues would book bands that size. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Oh no, no, no. But can you imagine seeing them in a small club? Oh, it'd be incredible. And uh, yeah, one of my favorite eras of music. Like I said, you know Chicago as well. Like it's so great. Oh, I love Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to them the other day. So, yeah, yeah. So that was the top five albums. And soon, uh, once the Johnny Cash album came out, it would go to number one. Believe it or not, it made number one on Billboard pop charts, folks. Johnny Cash live country albums. So there you go. So where are we uh, heading to next? I think we're heading, we're staying in uh, California, though, aren't we? Um, oh, yeah, it looks like we're going to Long Beach. Oh, for a very famous... Um, 
Yeah, how do you describe that? Well, last week we talked about the Everly Brothers. Yeah, breaking so this up is on kind stage. Of a, kind of the same. Yeah, this, in fact, I'd say this could be, you know, the Everly Brothers break up maybe on steroids, but uh, <laughs> we're going to head to July 31st, 1980. So uh, let, let's go. All right, July 31st. 1980 we're in long beach california and we were just mentioning during the time travel sound effect but it is so great to be sitting in the same room oh, i know i love it I, it's going to be hard to go back to the uh, zoom well the good news is is that i'm planning to come up to your way uh, near the end of august so we can do this again uh in your home studio well absolutely and uh, we now know that my gear is working perfectly so yeah, uh, yeah. we're all set up we got to do this again oh we will we will yeah so uh, we're at an Eagles concert at Long Beach, California, and uh, temper, tempers just boil over <laughs> eh, between Glenn Fry and Don Felder on stage. And they just spent the entire show describing to each other in front of the audience. Like there's actually audio of this. It's, I, 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 went, I, I found it on YouTube. Yeah, you me too. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about in front of the audience, like only three more songs to go before I kick the crap out of you, pal. And, like, and, and not joking. No, like, there's no, totally no humor serious. in the voice. Yeah. It, unbelievable. And, um, they threatening each other and, and so angry and Felder was, um, you know, Fry had just totally lost it. He was, uh, <laughs> and Felder was just giving it back to him. Yeah. But, uh, it's an interesting story. What happened? You know, they, um, so they were fighting over, uh, Glenn Fry perceived that Don Felder had slighted a U.S. Senator who was there. Senator Alan Cranston's wife had thanked, uh, Felder for participating in a benefit concert recently. And Felder wasn't sure which one she was talking about. And so he replied, thank you. And then uh, as she was walking away, he said, well, I guess, <laughs> which is, is kind of funny, but, uh, Fry lost it. Yeah. And, and, uh. You know, I think they were obviously uh, probably intoxicated at the time because they were drinking a lot. And, and a lot of drugs, too. Yeah, yeah and a lot of drugs and, and tempers were wearing thin, you know, touring all the time. And But Fry just lost his mind. And they had it out before the show, and then they headed on stage, and it just continued. And um, I was watching um, Don Felder was saying on their amps they like when you watch footage of the eagles in those days playing right they'd always be going back to fiddle with their amplifiers and they would have shots of, yeah. of liquor yeah uh, lined up on the amp and they would go back there under the pretense of fiddling with their amps and and kick back a couple of shots right it was nice. just toxic toxic nice. toxic but um fry lost his mind on stage and, and was you know i'm gonna beat the crap out of you and when the show was done Felder, uh, he had, before the show was finished, had arranged with uh, one of his roadies to have a Takamini guitar of his set aside on stage, right? And and uh, as he was walking off, he smashed it into, yeah. a, into a concrete post. I guess they weren't taking it easy. No, exactly. <laughs> nice one, by the way. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Couldn't resist. <laughs> Could not resist. Uh, can you imagine how awkward would that have been if you're sitting like you, like, you know you're 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 your age and you go to see the Eagles? Oh my gosh! And I mean, it's not love squabbles. We're talking threats. Oh, and and anger. And I don't know. I I guess I, I mean I love the Eagles. I I have all of their too. albums. Love them, but that's really awkward. 
And I guess the they had just finished recording the long run, which had gone, pardon the pun, longer than intended. And the tempers were, fr- were a bit frayed in there as well, right? I mean, they weren't getting along too well on that album. So No, and, uh, you know, Felder, he smashed the guitar, hopped into a limousine and just took off. Wow. And and it was, how many years was it before they performed? 14 years, right? 94. Yeah, they didn't 94. get together again until 1994 on stage. Can you imagine? Well, I, I think it was a miracle they even got back together. I mean, 14 years, really, if you think about it, isn't right. that bad. I, I saw Don Felder solo um, in, in Niagara Falls. And it was it was an interesting concert because he did nothing but songs from Hotel California and before. He didn't touch the long run. Really? Didn't touch it. I don't know why. And he didn't say anything. He just, hey, he did some solo stuff and all that. But he did mostly, um, uh, again, Hotel California and everything before that. So, But, uh, you know, that's one of the things I like about rock and roll history. Like, we can hear this audio of them threatening each other. Cause, because Fry would say, I'm going to, you know, three more songs until I'm kicking your ass, yeah. pal. And then, and not joking, though, Tony. No, not joking. Like, and then, and then uh, Felder's giving it right back to him. Oh, I, know. I mean, I mean I, you know, again, think of where you are. You know, you're on stage. I mean, that was a big concert. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, look, performers have a right to get angry, all that stuff. But, you know, tempered a bit. I mean, at least the, well, the Everton Brothers didn't do much better. But uh, this was pretty nasty, right? So, uh, I, although they're back together again. Yeah. They're playing, well, minus um, Fry? I think so. Glenn Fry, right? But, you know, I guess money talks, right? Hell freezes over and... <laughs> <laughs> nice one. You knew, I, you knew ah, I was going to say that, didn't you? I like that. That that's, was good. That's very one of the good. Greatest album titles of all time, by the uh, way. Actually, and not for a reunion album, not bad. Yeah. Uh, it's not that bad. But um, yeah, the Eagles were just not. Uh, they were trapped in hotel. I, I was going to make another joke, and I, I, I lost my footing. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, now, what was on the charts that week? Looked- I, I just think we should stage a fight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Two middle-aged white guys yeah. in their fifties duking it out. <laughs> Put that on Facebook. That's right. <laughs> That'll go viral. <laughs> Without masks, too. By the- <laughs> That's right. Not not, not socially masked. distancing. Not masks. <laughs> um, so on the, the the album charts, um, that was an interesting time, nineteen eighty, because you had. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, you had Pete Townsend solo album called Empty Glass, which I, I still love. I, I, I love that album. And then this surprised me, Tony. I don't know if it surprised you. The soundtrack to The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, great movie, but yeah. I couldn't picture myself at 16 putting the headphones on to listen to The Empire Strikes Back. No, I can't either. I mean, I knew a few guys in high school who did, but, uh, wow. um, you know, although out of all the Star Wars movies, I think that is the best one. I concur. I concur. That was by far the strongest movie. And it was like the say because it was the middle film, right? That's right. Of the original three. And I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, have you kept up with them? Well, you know what? I stopped uh, because I, I, just did, I found the magic was gone. You know? Right. I, I bet you I'll, I'll, later on we'll talk about money that we stopped at the same movie. Oh, I just, probably. Yeah. I just thought I can't, I, I can't stay invested here. No, I don't want to invest any more time nope. in that. Nope. <laughs> uh, although the, Wookiee Christmas special was pretty special. Yeah. 
Uh, number three is an album I'm sure you have in your collection, I Billy sure Joel, do. Glass Houses. I was spinning it the other day, actually, really? on my record player. Yeah, That's a good album. Number two is Eric Clapton, Just One Night. I never hear that anymore on the radio. And number one was the Rolling Stones, Emotional Rescue. And just because I like to tie everything back to the Beatles, number 10 was McCartney 2, which was making its way up the charts still. It would peak at number three, so... And you know, speaking of McCartney, but it was really cool to finally see your um, your Beatles oh, shrine here. Thank you, the yeah, shrine. I love it. Yeah, the shrine. <laughs> it is uh, amazing. Aaron is a uh, record collector extraordinaire, and well, thank you. Uh, it is very very cool. But I mean, it's just neat to to see all those albums and singles and and. Um, and All yet, merch and everything. you brought me a magazine I didn't even know existed, never mind had. So thank you very much. Oh, very uh, cool. Paul, Paul McCartney. Well, yeah. That was very cool. I was looking at it just before, you know, looking at all the interviews. So thank you very much for that. Oh, no, you're, you're quite welcome. So uh, I guess we're going to jump ahead again, but uh, this one is a little bit of a Beatles theme. Can you punch it in? Well, we're going to go back. We're actually. going backwards. Yeah, we're, we're going, going back to August 1st, 1971. So. Boop, boop. Cue up the time machine sound effect, and here we go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'd like to just take a moment to suggest another one that you might like. The Essence of Cool is a fantastic podcast that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at music, some interesting guests, some great conversation, and we had the privilege of throwing the host out of our van. Oh, that's right, back in our inaugural episode. Essence of Cool is hosted by Bernard Fraser, and each episode he's got fascinating guests, great stories, and he's got a fantastic ability to bring out the best in whoever he's talking with, doesn't he? And tuck and roll. He does a fantastic tuck and roll. That's right. So check out his show, folks. It's the essenceofcool.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't wait to check out his next episode. And now, let's get back to our road trip. So, Tony, we're going to stop here at Madison Square Garden, a place that you and I plan to be in February or March of next year to see Mr. Billy Joel. Oh, I am, I cannot wait. That's going to be brilliant. I've never seen a concert. You've been to Madison Square Garden. I haven't. So, Yeah, I've been to Madison Square Gardens once Yeah, and uh, on a band tour with the high school kids and um, happened to be there when the uh, Rangers were practicing. That's and so, so cool. It, isn't that amazing? So Cool. And and some of them took time to talk to the kids, which they were just oh over the moon, oh, over the moon. Yeah. Um, well, I'd rather talk to a New York Ranger than a tr- no, no, never mind. Um, but we're at August first, and there's a very special event happening. There was two concerts in one day, uh, but it's called the Concert for Bangladesh, and they were organized by George Harrison to aid the victims of famine and war in Bangladesh. Um, and it was a stellar, stellar lineup. It was Bob Dylan, Ringo Starr, Leon Russell, Badfinger. Our favorite, Billy Preston, and of course George Harrison. Ravi Shankar performed. It was it, it, it was pre live. It was the first concert of that kind. It's oh, set, that was absolutely groundbreaking. And yeah. Ravi Shankar, right, had called Harrison asking for help, and I think I, I think I read that uh, Shankar was hoping to raise like twenty five thousand yeah. dollars or something. <laughs> Yeah, he was. He was like, "Do you can you, can you maybe donate some money?" There's a great film clip on YouTube where Harrison's being asked, "Why did you do that? Like, how come you did this?" And Harrison looks at the camera, and goes, "Because I was asked by a friend to help." <laughs> that was all it took. And Harrison, like, oh, Clapton was there. He just got on the phone and got all of these people 
to don't, it was totally free. All the money went to uh, the, the. I mean, later on, it got tangled up in taxes, but that's another story. Um, and that was his big advice to Bob Geldof: just avoid the UNICEFs, avoid salvation, or just give the money yourself. But it was a hell of a concert. It was a movie, triple album set, and it's Bob Dylan it was his first performance since his motorcycle accident in America, mm-hmm. came out into... Harrison didn't even know that Dylan would show. Like, he knew. He had invited Bob. Bob was really stage, such stage fright. He hadn't been on a stage for five years. Yeah, I remember uh, that uh, Harrison really, really was hoping he would make it. And, and he, I mean, that segment, you know, when he does a Hard Rain's Gonna Fall and Tambourine Man, it's it's... It's an incredible, incredible... I wish, of all the concerts I could have been gone back in time to go to, this is one I wish I could have gone to. Well, that's right. And Ringo was there, of course, because yeah. they are so close. I, yeah, two, uh, and you know, John was supposed to come. Yeah. But because George didn't want Yoko to perform, John refused to perform. Ah, c'est la vie. And he, he bailed like two days before the show. He bailed he? to England. He was in New York with Yoko. He says to Yoko, I'm going to go get a newspaper and hop to flight. She didn't even know. Oh, my goodness. She, he called her from England and said, oh, I'm back in England. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a hell of a newspaper, folks. But, um, yeah, he bailed big time. But uh, but but the album was huge, won a Grammy. Uh, it's a classic album. And, and I, I'm sure, I'm surprised, actually, that this year they didn't release a 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I'm actually quite surprised because we just... Well, it's, it's yet another thing that happened in 1971 right oh, like 71. we always talk about you know potentially the greatest year in in rock and roll history well there's a new documentary is there not yeah. um but yeah, 1971 yeah. uh, it's on apple tv and right. uh, i just i've watched the first episode of it but it, uh, yeah amazing how yeah. is it oh it's, it's great is it i yeah. haven't seen it yet yeah yeah they they spend quite a bit of time um talking about uh in this first episode they're talking about marvin gaye's uh what's going on oh, right classic album yeah. not the best album of all time folks but classic album but classic and i agree with you there <laughs> yeah but you know we talked about this many times because we talked about tapestry and tapestry this week was at the time of this concert was number one but you look at the top five albums you have the jesus christ superstar soundtrack you have ram at number four Three is the Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers. Two is, in my opinion, well, let me change it. My favorite James Taylor album, Mudslides, Mudslide Slim. I can't say that fast. Uh, and The Blue Horizon. Yeah, that's a great album. I, I think it's his best. I really do. I, I like it more than Sweet Baby James. I, I think there was some real good material. And then number one was Carole King. But number eight was Aqualung. Oh, yeah. Number 14, Blue by Joni Mitchell. And number 16, this new guy, new to the scene, John Denver, with a, an album that I'm going to say right now is fantastic called Poems, Prayers, and Promises. Well, and you know I'm a Denver fan, so... You saw him live. I, I never saw, saw him live, live. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, going back to Tapestry, like that, you know, you look at... That makes her accomplishment even more impressive is when you look at all the albums that came out that, oh, that year. and she went to number one. I mean, she stole the show, right? And, and kept it there for a long time. Like, wow. Uh, well, I think for a long time, it was the biggest selling album of all time. Yeah. I think it, it got knocked off by um, Saturday Night Fever. Coincidentally, two albums of the biggest selling albums of all time that kept McCartney from number one, Tapestry with Ram, Saturday Night Fever with London Town. And I have some personal 
resentment. (laughs) (laughs) But all kidding aside, no, that concert, and we were talking just a minute ago, Tony, before we started, you know, recording, you just watched the Billy Preston segment where he does That's the Way God Planned It. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, wasn't it? Oh, amazing. I mean, yeah, if you're not religious, you are going to be after watching that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's how I found religion, Billy Preston, yeah. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I love that song. I yeah, mean, it's a great song. It's a, it's 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 a it's a lost classic, but his performance when he starts gets out from behind that big old organ and he's just dancing across the stage, how can you not smile? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just you want to just I love this man, <laughs> you know. And uh, the whole the whole concert, what a what a oh. spectacular! And twice in one day, right? Two thirty and eight o'clock. And and um, I don't know if you remember the album very well, but on the album, Shankar is tuning up. And it takes him about three minutes to tune up. And the crowd cheers, thinking it was a song. <laughs> and Shankar says, well, if you enjoyed my tuning, perhaps you'll like the music. <laughs> oh, great. Good for him. <laughs> wonderful. It's just a wonderful event. Wonderful event. So, yeah. That was 50 years ago, August 1st, man. Oh, that's 50. incredible. Crazy. Well, are you uh, ready to hop back to our virtual present here? And uh, we're going to introduce a new segment today. So... Yes, I'm always ready. This is so great. <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. I pinch me here because uh, it's just, it's so different being I in know. the same room. I love it. Uh, I, 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 now, I feel spoiled now. Now I think like, well, how do we go back to the Zoom thing? But we will. Well, we, well, we got to go back to the Zoom thing in about two days. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's jump to the present and all right, here we go. And we're back and a super interesting uh, road trip this time. Fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, on our first show that we did together, we used to have a segment. We've been chatting about, uh, we wanted to have a final wrap-up segment here. And um, we had a great segment on the old show called Six Degrees of Beatlemania. (laughs) And Rick, my friend Rick Denis, uh, wrote music specifically for that. And we both thought, what a great idea. Because, you know, whenever we're researching the history for this show, like we go through the week that was in rock history and we look at every day and every day, there's something with the Beatles. I mean, we could just do this podcast literally about what the Beatles were doing in rock history. And, you know, we, we quite often deliberately don't pick Beatles things because that's all we talk about. So we're going to introduce a segment, uh, or reintroduce a segment called six degrees of Beatlemania and maybe pick one thing that the Beatles were up to this week in rock and roll history. So, uh, cue the music. So, Tony, I thought I'd do something because you're here in, in my home, and, and you're so welcome, and I, and I, as you said earlier, I feel like I have a new best friend, and I'm so happy, and I got to show you something. I love to show my very good friends my collection, and you were very kind to be patient as I go through my records, and one of the things I showed you was the Butcher cover. Yeah. And in 1966, this week, the Beatles started a five-week run with an album called Yesterday and Today, which was number one. Now, what makes that album special is the original cover... Uh, how do you describe this? Uh, the Beatles are sitting with slabs of meat. They're wearing butcher smocks, and they've got rather mischievous grins and baby doll parts all over them. Yeah, and blood and blood. <laughs> it's, it's rather dark. <laughs> and it was a statement by the Beatles because I, I don't know if you know this or not, but in England, the Beatles would record an album, fourteen tracks. They did two albums a year, and they put out two albums a year. But the Americans. And they also put out non-album singles. But Capitol Records would take those 14, 28 tracks plus the singles 
and and make new albums that didn't exist anywhere else other than North America. And the Beatles hated it because they would sequence albums. They, they did rubber. If you look at the British Rubber Soul compared to the American one, you know the Beatles hated what the what Capitol Records did. So when Capitol came up with this album between Rubber Soul and uh, Revolver, they called over to London and said we need a photograph. So the Beatles went right. We'll send you a photograph. <laughs> <laughs> and they said the butcher cover. <laughs> and you know what? It's great because they're all smiling, too. Yeah, they are like, smiling. Like just sitting there at a picnic, you know. <laughs> and the cover that they pasted over, none of them are smiling. Because <laughs> they were like, you know, Paul's in a kind of a carry case or a suitcase and they're all random. So the, the famous butcher cover came out. And what's what's it was when it was brought, it was taken off the shelves. But rather than destroying them... Yeah. Like, <laughs> This just gets me every time, too. (laughs) Rather than destroying all of them, which would have cost money, Capitol simply pasted uh, the new cover over top of it. You could clearly see under it there was another cover. So when I was 10 and and, and a friend of my brother's gave it to me, I steamed off the cover. I wanted to see the butcher cover. So I still have it. I'm very proud of that. That's one of my most prized possessions. Well, you know, that's like like I was telling you. I had this discussion with kids at school, like when we're talking about rock and roll history. You know, uh, the, the reactions of parents to rock and roll, right? Don't listen to that. That's Well, I said to them, what's the first thing you're going to do if I tell you or your parents tell you, don't listen to that? And they're like, yo, I'm going to run it out and listen to that. And yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get the album cover? Like, you're Steam it off. That off. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, it's like Solomon Rushdie, um, you know, Satanic Verses book. Remember it got banned everywhere? So I bought a copy. Most boring book I've ever read, by the way. But uh, you know, I hope you didn't. You're not a fan, I hope. But no, no, I found it boring too. Thank you. All yeah. right, Tony. This is why we get along so well. <laughs> but it wasn't the most boring. But I, but you're right. Something gets banned. You. I was ten. I wanted to see the infamous butcher, and I still find it as a prize, prize, prize possession. So. Oh, no, that was very cool seeing that in person because yeah. I've actually never seen a real copy of the butcher yeah, cover i've only seen you know online yeah they're getting scarcer and scarcer so yeah so that's what happened in 1966 the beatles and their infamous butcher cover <laughs> awesome well my friend uh this has been super fun recording oh. this episode i loved every minute of it you and me both this has been so uh i'm gonna say it again surreal but it's so and now I like it. I don't want to do the other way, but we'll, we'll go back to it. Well, you know what? When you come to Ottawa, we'll do the same thing. We but will. Uh, we I will. think we should uh, cue up the outro music and we should just go hang out for a while. What do you think? I think that's a grand idea. Yes. Music for today's episode of the Wayback Music Machine podcast was written by Rick Denis. The show notes, chart selection, and Spotify playlist were created by Aaron Badgley. And the artwork, recording, editing, and sound production was done by Tony Stewart. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to tell a friend or two. And don't forget to click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player to get the latest episodes automatically. And we'd love it if you would leave us a review. You can also engage with the show by going on our website and leaving us a voicemail. We may even play your voicemail on an upcoming episode. Thanks for taking this road trip with us, and we'll see you next time on the Wayback Music Machine Podcast. Hey, turn the radio up. I love this song. The Wayback Music Machine Podcast is a Stewie Tunes production.
texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. 